Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Luke, chapter 20. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Get used to the the pastor that has, you know... um, you know, a bachelor's, an MDiv, a PhD. He's got more letters in the alphabet. And, and they're used to that. And so, you know, and the pastor is going to be really educated and have gone to a seminary. And so they, they, people would come to me and ask me, and maybe they've asked you sometime in your family. They'll go, well, you know what? That was a good sermon. I mean, what, what, what seminary did he go to? People ask me all the time. They say, well, what seminary? You know, I really enjoyed the service first time here. What seminary did you go to? What, what school did you train at? And what they're asking actually is, what's your authority? So they go, oh, what seminary did you go to? What school did you train at? And I go, oh, well, I went to UHS. And they say, UHS? Oh, I've never heard of UHS. Is it a prestigious school? I go, oh, yes, oh, yes, of the highest <laughs> UHS, what, 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 UHS, what is that? A University of the Holy Spirit. And they go, they go I'm going to wait while you clap your hands. I, I think that's good too. <laughs> and, they go, and they go, oh, well, I, you know, yeah, well, you seem to know a lot about the Bible. You know what, here's the thing. Ordination does not come from man. Ordination comes from God. And if God, I'm going to wait while you clap your hands. And for me, listen, I, I know, no, no, no. Tell your family, tell your friends, no, I have not been to seminary. I am a street kid from Philly. I grew up doing drugs. My father was a drug dealer. My mother was a single parent doing the best she can, packing hot dogs at a high-grade high ballpark. Frank's, they plump when you cook them. You remember them hot dogs? Them things plump when you cook them. I won't eat a hot dog today. And, and, and I'm a street kid from Philly. All I know is I got saved January 23rd, 1982. That is the day God touched me, God changed me, God called me, God ordained me, and I just showed up and I opened my mouth and God does the rest. But I know that I know that I know that I know that God has called me to this and God has ordained me for this season in my life. And I think the major problem that plagues the pulpits in America is that the pulpits in America are filled with people that have been recognized or ordained by an organization, but they haven't received ordination from heaven. And don't get me wrong. I'm going to wait while you clap your hands. That's all right. And don't get me wrong. I don't have any problem with seminary. There are some great professors in seminary that are preserving orthodoxy, and I thank God for that. 
But it, but, but God hasn't, if God hasn't sent you there to seminary, then you are simply wasting your time. You can go to seminary all your life and not be ordained of God. You can go to seminary. I've met people, nobody here, but I've met people who have been to seminary, and you know what? You cannot buy anointing. You cannot purchase anointing and power from God and anointing from the Holy Spirit. You, you can't purchase that. I've met people who went to seminary and they know more, far more about the Bible than I know. Far more. And when they get up to preach the word, you go. I can't do it right because I got a cold. I could do it better than that. But, but th- that's because you cannot get anointing from a classroom. God has to anoint you. And without that anointing from heaven, nothing will be accomplished. So they ask Jesus a question, and Jesus answers with a question. Did you get that? This is a trick question. Jesus never, search your Bible, read your Bible. Jesus never gave a direct answer to a trick question. Write this down. Proverbs 26, 5. Proverbs 26, verse 5. Do not answer a fool according to his folly, or you will be like him yourself. You know, some folks are just fools. I didn't say fool. I said fool. You're just a fool. People, you know, people ask me one time, God said, well, if God is so powerful and God is so awesome and do anything he wants, then can God make a rock so big he can't pick up? Boom! You know, you meet people like that. You know, somebody once said it like this. They put it this way. They said, when you are arguing with a fool, be sure that he is not similarly engaged. And some of y'all get that when you go home. You'll, you'll get that later. That, that's coming. So they asked Jesus, where did you get your authority to do these things? Look at verse 4 in your Bibles. Jesus said, let me ask you a question. The baptism of John, was it from man or God? Now listen, John the Baptist, listen, John, did you know this? John the Baptist was non-denominational. Did you know that? Some of y'all thinking he was a Baptist, and that's why they call him, no. <laughs> He was non-denominational. I'm just, I love you. I'm your pastor. I'm just trying to help you. John was non-denominational. John, John, he, he wasn't a Baptist. Verse, he was, the, the, the word Baptist just speaks to his ministry. He baptized. Verse 5, look at it in your Bibles. They reasoned within themselves and they said, if we say it's from heaven, then Jesus will say, then why didn't you believe and repent and get baptized? But if we say from men, then the people will stone us. And we hate it when that happens. Because, every, <laughs> because everybody liked John and they believed John was a prophet. So Jesus answered their question with a question. Listen, to imply, if you perceive the answer to the question that he asked them, then they will have the answer to the question that they're asking him. And in verse 7, they plead the fifth. We don't know. We can't tell where it's from. And Jesus said, then I'm not telling you by what authority I do these things. 
That was a pretty short conversation, wasn't it? Jesus said, you're not telling me, and I'm not telling you. Conversation over. Let's go to lunch. Done. So it's simple. If they would have recognized John's ministry from heaven, they would have recognized the Lord's ministry from heaven. Now look at verse 9. If you're looking at verse 9, say I'm looking at it. And then he began to tell this parable. A certain man planted a vineyard, leased it to the vine dressers, and went into a far country for a long time. Now at vintage time, he sent a servant to the vine dressers that they might give him some of the fruit of the vineyard. But the vine dressers beat him, and they sent him away empty-handed. And again, he sent another servant, and they beat him also, and treated him shamefully and sent him away empty-handed. And again, he sent a third, and they wounded him also and cast him out. And then the owner of the vine dresser said, what shall I do? In verse 13, are you looking at it? What shall I do? I will send my beloved son. Probably they will respect him when they see him. But when the vine dressers saw him, they reasoned among themselves, saying, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him, that the inheritance might be ours. And so they cast him out of the vineyard, and they killed him. And therefore, what will the owner of the vineyard do to them? He will come, in verse 16, and destroy those vine dressers and give the vineyard to others. And when they heard it, they said, certainly not. And then he looked at them and said, what then is this that is written? Can somebody read this with me? The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. And then verse 18, very important. Whoever falls on that stone will be what, saints? Broken. But on whomever it falls, it will do what? Grind him to powder. And the chief priests and the scribes that very hour sought to lay hands on him, but they feared the people, for they knew he has spoken this parable against them. Saints, stop right there. Give me your attention. Jesus begins to tell them a parable of the owner of a vineyard who had leased it to the vine dressers and went into a far country. And sometime later, he sent the servant to get some of the fruit of the vineyard. But the vine dressers beat the servants and sent them away empty-handed. And he sent another servant, and they beat him. And then a third, and they wounded him. And then in verse 13, the owner said, what shall I do? I know I'll send my beloved son and they will probably respect him, but they killed him because of the inheritance. And the owner of the vineyard said, I will destroy those vine dressers and give the vineyard to others. Now listen to me close. The Jewish people, context, context, context. Listen, in the school in India, all for the last two weeks, I've been telling them, you must Keep things in context when you study the Bible. Are you listening? When you study the Bible, you must keep things in context. Don't ever, ever, ever let anybody read one verse to you and tell you what it means. If they take one verse, what you can do is you read five verses ahead and five verses after, and you get the context, 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 which will, drive, which will drive your interpretation and your understanding. Okay, so in the context here, this is a Jewish audience, and they knew the scriptures, and they knew, write this down, this is your homework, you read it tonight, Isaiah chapter 5, verse 1 through 7. They knew Isaiah chapter 5, 1 through 7, which made it clear that the vineyard is a picture of Israel. 
the vine dressers represent the religious leaders or the Jewish people. So when Jesus speaks this parable, they knew exactly what he was speaking about. And they knew that Jesus was saying that God expected great things from his spiritual vineyard, Israel. And God wanted them to bear fruit and be a light to the Gentiles. So God sent them holy men and prophets, but they rejected them. Elijah was driven into the wilderness. Isaiah was cut in half. Zechariah was stoned in the temple of God. John was beheaded. Hebrews chapter 11 tells us that many were mocked and beaten with chains and imprisoned and stoned and killed by the sword. And then God sent his beloved son, Jesus, and they killed him. Now in verse 15, look at it. When they killed his son, he said, that's it. I will destroy them and give the vineyard to others. Now when God sent Jesus and they killed him, God gave the vineyard to the Gentiles. And now the Gentiles are sharing the good news of the Messiah and bringing forth fruit. You see, the problem is simply this. Jesus has taken away their authority and they're losing their control over the nation of Israel. So look at verse 17. Then he looked at them. Now, if you're reading the King Jimmy, in the King Jimmy, it says that he beheld them. In the Greek language, it means Jesus stared them down. What I wouldn't give to have been standing there to see this. Jesus stared them down. I wonder how long was that stare. And I would have liked to see that stare from the side and not from the front. Amen. And then Jesus looked at them and he said, it is written, the stone which the builders has rejected has become the chief cornerstone. Now, over and over in the Bible, if you're taking notes, over and over in the Bible, Jesus is referred to as the rock. He is the rock of provision that followed Israel in the desert, 1 Corinthians 10, 4. In 1 Peter 2, 8, he is the rock and a stone of stumbling. In Daniel chapter 2, Verse 45, he is the stone cut with hands that crushes the kingdoms of the world. Psalm 118.22, Isaiah 28.16, both refer to Jesus as a chief cornerstone. Now, it's interesting, listen, interesting story concerning this chief cornerstone. As Solomon was building his temple, The stones were prepared, listen, are you listening? The stones were prepared in a quarry uh, some ways away from the temple site. And the stones were, when they came to the temple site, they were able to fit perfectly together. Now, according to Jewish tradition, and we learn this from a Jewish historian who is not a Christian, and his name is Josephus, uh, uh, Flavius, Flavius Josephus. Flavius Josephus. And he is not a Christian. He is a historian, but very accurate. Most Bible teachers will use him as a reference. And according to Josephus, as the stones were being quarried a distance from the temple site, they marked each stone with a special mark so that each stone would be placed in the proper slot. 
when it reached the temple site. And when the foreman on the job would see the stone, he would direct it where it should go. Well, one day, a stone came up to the temple, and the foreman didn't know where it fit. And so he tossed it aside. Well, several years had passed, and they realized a stone was missing. The stone that had been tossed into the bushes had become overgrown by the weeds in the Kidron Valley. Now, when the temple was near completed, a message was sent to the quarry that they were ready to set the chief cornerstone, which they had already sent. They were ready to set the chief cornerstone of the building, and the quarry foreman checked his records, and he says, Oh, yeah, 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 I remember that stone. That's the one that was rejected and thrown away, which in fact, it was the chief cornerstone, the most important stone. The stone that was rejected by the builders were the chief cornerstone. And these guys, listen to me, here it is, the punchline. These guys knew when Jesus was speaking and they heard, they understood that Jesus was making reference to them, that they were the builders rejecting the stone. Can you imagine? They were incensed. No one spoke to them like that. No one would speak to a scribe, a Pharisee, a chief priest in the way that Jesus spoke to them. Why? Because he spoke in his own authority. He didn't speak in the authority of other men. He says, you are the builders that have rejected the stone. Look at verse 18. Heavy, heavy, heavy verse. Whoever falls on that stone will be broken, but on whomever it falls, it will grind him to powder. This word broken literally means to humble yourself. It means you realize you're a sinner in need of him. And you acknowledge him as Lord and Savior, and you'll be broken and you'll be forgiven. But if the stone falls on you, it will crush you and grind you to powder. So either you're broken before him or you're going to be broken by him. And you can fall on the stone or the stone can fall on you. It's your choice. Unfortunately, they chose to kill Jesus. Instead of humbling themselves and repenting, they wanted to kill Jesus. I will never understand that. The Bible says that Jesus came to seek and to save those who were lost. First to the house of Israel, and they rejected him constantly. And because they have rejected him and closed the door on him, now the vineyard is going to another. The vineyard went to the Gentiles. And now it is our responsibility as Gentiles to take what God has given us in the vineyard and be fruitful with it. And that's what Jesus said. I'll wait while you clap your hands. That's okay. And Jesus said, and Jesus said that we should go into all the world and preach the gospel. And I'm blessed. And I'm privileged, and it's my honor that God would choose me or that God would choose any of us. All we are like sheep have gone astray. We've all turned our own way. Don't you know God does not have to use you? You're no trophy in his curios. Some folks think they're all that in a bag of chips. You ain't all that nor a bag of chips. Say amen. Say it again. Say it again. I just like it. 
People think, oh, God ought to be happy to use me. God doesn't need you. God chooses to use you. God wants to use you so that you can be a part of his work and a part of his kingdom and that you can be blessed. But God doesn't have to. But we have a responsibility now that the gospel and the the vineyard has gone to the Gentiles. We have a responsibility. The Jewish people are blinded right now to the Messiah. They don't see him. It's a big thing for a Jewish person to give their life to Christ because there's a blinder over their eyes. But they don't see it, but we see it. And we have a responsibility to take the gospel to the world. And I hope that every individual here has humbled themselves and, 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 and been broken on that rock and has asked Jesus to forgive you and that you would humble yourself and, and, and be forgiven. And ask God to work in your life because I honestly believe, listen, I believe the time is short. I believe the time is short. Can I get a witness from anywhere in the room? I believe the time is short and that Jesus is coming soon. And we need to be about the Father's business. And look, I'm 50 years old. I look good, don't I? I'm 50 50 years old. Turn 50 years old, October 31st. The Halloween, I mean, the Fall Fest thing. It wasn't my party. It was, you know. Well, yeah, it was. But, um, but, but, you know, I realized that, you know, I've got more years behind me than I do ahead of me now. You know, don't you get to that place? Any, the, the young folks, y'all don't know what I'm talking about. Y'all don't know. Y'all think y'all ain't going to never die. You know, y'all young, young guys with six-packs and stuff, don't worry, one day that'll be a one-pack. And, um, but you know, when you get to a certain age, anybody know what I'm talking about? You start looking back and you go, you know, I've got more years behind me than I do ahead of me. They say the average man lives to be 72, the average woman's 76. So if I were to live to be, you know, for the average man, then I've got 22 more years on this earth, and I'm determined, in my last 22 years, I'm going to use every day and every minute and every breath to serve the Lord, with every fiber of who I am, to serve the Lord. And you should too. And I don't care if you're eight or you're 80, we can serve the Lord, because God has entrusted that to us, that we ought to come to that rock to humble ourselves and to say, Lord, forgive us. And may that rock not fall on us and, and, and grind us to powder. How's that happen? When you reject Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that rock will fall on you someday and it will grind you to powder and you will be judged for that. You don't want that to happen. You want God to bless your life. God wants to bless your life. He says, I, I have thoughts towards you, thoughts of good and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. God wants to use every single one of us. The problem is we're too busy. We're too preoccupied. We're Christians. It's time to stop playing church. It really is. I just honestly feel that in the church, not only, not th- only this church, but in the, the church, that, that in, the, in the U.S., that there's like a lethargy in the church, that people are asleep in the church. 
not realizing that the time is near, that Jesus is coming soon, and we're sleeping, and we're making more money, and we're buying nicer cars and bigger houses, and meanwhile, your neighbor is going to hell. Or the people you work with, they don't even know you're a Christian because you never tell them about it. The time is short, and we need to wake up from our lethargy. And when we come to church, we come to church to worship and to hear from God and to learn of the things of God. Clap your hands for the Lord. Would you do that? To hear from God, to worship God to love God, to know God, to become strong in the things of God. That's why teaching the Word of God is so important. Teaching God's Word is so important. That's why and I went to India and I taught, them, I taught them how to teach the Bible without Bible commentaries and dictionaries and all of that. The Bible interprets itself. But you got to teach the Bible so that you become strong in the Lord, so that God can use you. Because God can't use you if you don't know the word, because you've, you've got no, no, no fuel. You've got no power, because the word of God is the power of God unto salvation. Can I challenge you today? Can I challenge you to get serious about your walk? To get serious about the things of God? I mean, really. I don't care if you're 8 or 80. To get serious about the things of God, because time is short. Someday Jesus is going to come, and we talk about it. When we talk about the second coming, the Lord, Lord's going to come. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Oh, yes. Lord's coming. Lord's coming. Walk out the door. Business as usual. Wait a minute. If the Lord is coming, then we have to do something different. We got to do something different. We got to tell people the Lord is coming. I believe it. I hope you do too. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. 0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the media library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light. Let me be a salt.